Welcome to the Healthy Hair Podcast. Your host, Dr. Amy Brenner, is a board-certified OBGYN with additional certifications in functional and integrative medicine. This podcast is meant to help women find reliable, relevant information to help them feel better, look better, and live better. Here you will hear in-depth information about hormones, sexual medicine, aesthetics, cosmetic gynecology, and functional medicine. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Healthy Her. And today we have Dr. Mary Renzel. She's the founder of BrainFresh, a brain-based time management system for the busy professional women for enhanced joy and peace. She's the co-founder of a brain ops group, a group focused on optimizing brain performance to achieve better business outcomes. So this is really exciting. We haven't talked about something like this. Welcome Dr. Renzel. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about what, what is BrainFresh um, that you've created? Yeah, so BrainFresh is a system to tap into your, I love to call them neuropowers, you know? So there's certain things and certain ways we can manipulate or quote unquote feed our nerves um, so that we can have, you know, better focus and productivity and even peace at work. Cause that's not usually something we use, <laughs> two words we put in the same sentence, right? Is peace and work. Um, you know, but there's ways we can, can, can manipulate our neuroscience a bit and uh, we can use those tools throughout our busy work days. You know, before we get into it, I forgot to ask you, like, what is, yeah. what is your background? Yeah, so I'm a neuroimmunologist. I'm still working as a neuroimmunologist. So I help a lot of patients uh, living with multiple sclerosis and related diseases. Um, I treat both teens and adults. Um, but I also saw this need for, you know, busy professionals, you know, getting burned out or getting tired at work and just not feeling fulfilled at work or feeling so exhausted at work that I wanted to use what I know about neuroscience, um, that they could bring it into the workplace and just their daily lives. So were you originally trained in the immunology sector or neurology? Uh, neurology. Yeah, neurology first. Okay. And then I did a fellowship in neuroimmunology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you're definitely an expert of how our brain and nerves work. I love, yeah, that's my favorite thing to read about yeah. <laughs> and learn about, yes. So certainly as a OBGYN, I hear this every day of brain fog, trouble concentrating, um, those types of things. How common are those kinds of symptoms? They are so common, right? As you see, and I, I have to say that I, I feel like the OB-GYNs out in this world are the kind of brain protectors and brain enhancers because you have the power to influence the brain, you know, in gestation and, and all through um, so many stages of, of uh, women and girls' lives. And so I feel like, you know, you're the unsung brain heroes out there. So what kind of thing you mentioned like that, that we can do things as OBGYNs to help mm -hmm. brain function. Um, I know as an obstetrician, we talk about taking DHA and a prenatal vitamin, but what other neuroscience hacks are out there for brain health or for productivity? Yeah, I mean, the nice thing is a lot of them are actually fun. Um, so number one is fun. So getting out of work um, and meeting with people that you enjoy being with, doing something that you enjoy, that actually gives your brain a really nice relaxation time and a time to connect. So when we look at our busy calendars and we set them up for the week, we wanna make sure that we have some time for connection outside of work. 
Um, you know, seeing people at work and chatting at work are, is important as well for connection. But when we have at least one outside of work time scheduled each week, uh, we then can use, you know, our different neural balances. So at work, we focus a lot. You know, we're always kind of task oriented. Uh, but when we're not task oriented, we're actually kind of more relaxed and um, sitting chatting with someone or let's say you're sketching or you're um, you know you like to do jewelry or you're a painter or you like to just walk in the park you know you're not in your focus zone and so if the nerves and our the nerves of our brain can balance back and forth between focus and not focus time um, you know this is the the way that our brain actually has more longevity to it um, so it's, it's been really neat. You know, there's some huge global groups looking at what, what does the brain need for healthy longevity? And um, connections is one of them. And a great way to do that is fun. So when we're having fun, we actually have no judgment. So it's, it's something we don't really think about. But when we're just kind of goofing around or hanging out with friends, we're not usually judging ourselves or anyone else. And so it's a more peaceful time for the brain. And so there's different neurochemicals that are released when we're actually having fun. Um, and it's good to balance those throughout um, in our busy days so that we're not only in focus zone and get things done zone. Does exercise count as fun or? Uh, um, it, you could ask people, I suppose people have a lot of different um, opinions on that, but it depends, you know, kind of if you're walking with someone, then you can, you, you know, then you can hit you know, those two birds with one stone is that you can be connecting and you can get your movement in. Um, movement is incredibly important for long-term brain support. So when we move our, our body and our muscles and our brain release chemicals that support long-term uh, nerve health. Um, so movement is super important. Um, it also increases blood flow to the brain. So when you talk of like quick hacks, uh, one thing is just a quick movement every half hour. If you're sitting working on a paper, you're sitting, you know, doing your electronic charts, just make sure you're getting up and, and marching your legs or moving every 30 minutes because in 30 minutes we will have less blood flow to the brain. So it will be harder to get our tasks done because the blood flow to the brain will bring fresh nutrients and oxygen. Um, so that's a quick hack is to move a little bit, stretch, do a little bit of yoga stretch or something at your desk every half hour if you're working on a project. Um, one another hack is just to set intentionally your body into what we will call parasympathetic mode three times throughout our busy days. So that might be something like, you know, looking at a picture of someone you love, or I've heard some uh, busy moms, busy docs, you know, keep one of their kids' toys in their lab coat pocket. And just by touching it or, you know, thinking of their child or, you know, a little picture on your phone, um, you just kind of shift a little bit what you're focusing on to something that you really love and care deeply about. It's a way to kind of shift again the neural balance so that you can get different neurochemicals flowing. And it will help you get your work done faster if you're not only in the sympathetic focus zone. So you're saying it's actually better to take quick little breaks instead of, you know, Absolutely. when you're working hard on something of like locking yourself in your office and just Absolutely. focus, focus, focus. Absolutely. Right. So the brain needs a little balance, at least three times a day, 10 minutes of these parasympathetic. You know, some people are working from home, some. So furry animals do that. So pets that are, you know, cats or dogs or something furry will help us relax and get into that mode that works and image works movement works 
Um, and even just recalling something that you love, like, a, you know, something that happened that was fun over the weekend or something coming up, you know, it's just getting out of the focus zone for 10 minutes, three times a day will help you more to um, get back into that focus zone and also to change your perspective a little bit because it will shift the blood flow and the neurochemicals. So you might get better ideas if you take those quick 10 minute breaks. So you mentioned one of the things you do is have people find peace and joy in the workplace. Like, and I agree with you. I would say most people uh, don't think those belong in the same sentence. Um, right, right. Um, but why, why is this so important to find those things in the workplace? Yeah, that's a great question because you, you know, you do, you like, yeah, you think work, maybe people have certain definition of what work is. Um, there's something people use the term work-life balance, and that never, you know, kind of sat with me well because I'm living at work, right? And at work, a lot of, you know, we live a lot of our hours at work, uh, especially as physicians. Um, and so why does it matter? Because if we can shift our emotional state to more positive, um, it doesn't even have to be happy, joyful, you know, giddy, but just positive, hopeful. Um, you know, we can keep our neurochemicals in a safer a more productive zone um, when we're in a negative space, um, meaning like, you know, this isn't worth it. I don't know why I'm here. Uh, this is, uh, you know, annoying. You know, those 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 moments come up. They're real life. Right. But if we can shift it to, you know, my why am I here? Why did I work in medicine? Why do I work in medicine? Why did I want to go to med school? Why did I do all this training? And then you have to ask yourself, that's a fair question. Why do you do this? I mean, I love being in a profession where I can't know everything, that I'm always learning and I get to meet, you know, people that are very passionate about supporting other people and being very innovative. Um, and I, I love being in that environment. So that's why I'm, you know, in medicine, I wanted to be able to help people in a really innovative growth environment. Um, so if I'm not feeling that, if I'm feeling like, why am I here? Why am I just typing all day? Um, I have to remind myself why, what is my why? You know, so there's a great book by Simon Sinek that says, what's your why? You know, so you, you should know why you're there, you know, and sometimes we have to remind ourselves, you know, this is why I'm here. And, and if I can be in a positive uh, emotional state, I will, number one, it will be contagious to others. That's the other bonus. So if you're a team lead, you're a director, you're a program director, and you want you want to do something for the people on your team and they do, they work so hard, you know, if you come in with a positive emotional balance, we have neuro, neurobiologically, we have this emotional synchrony. So like your emotion that you enter the room with, it will be contagious to me. So if I can enter a room or enter a meeting with a positive state thinking like, this team is awesome, this team is going to solve this problem, this team has done a lot of hard work, it will help everybody, um, you know, in that meeting uh, because you're approaching it with a positive emotional state. Sure. I mean, mm -hmm. certainly, yeah, a, a positive attitude and smile are contagious. Mm -hmm. What would you say to somebody though? Is look, I hear what you're saying, Dr. Rensel, but mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just so burnt out. Like, mm -hmm. first of all, wh what does that even mean? And yeah. what's the difference of burnout between, or I need a, vac I just need a vacation. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, vacations are great, but they don't fix burnout, you know? So I, there are many, you know, there's different definitions of burnout and it's used very commonly these days for people who are either in emotional distress. Um, so we have to be careful when we just use burnout for everything because there actually is a true definition of burnout. Um, but I would say, 
you know, one thing we have to think about, and we, we hear this a lot, like put your oxygen mask on first, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup, you know, these kind of things. But, you know, neuroscience or neurobiologically, that is very true. And when we are learners, like in medicine, we're always learning and doing something new. We need to give our brain actually extra support when we're learning something. Uh, because if we think of what our brain's role is, it's it's managing our whole body. So I always think of it, it's like a busy parent. It's already busy. It's already doing a lot of things. So if you go to your, your mom or your busy parent, you're like, can you drive me to the store? Like, no, I'm already doing all this stuff. The brain is, is something similar. <laughs> it's already managing your heart and lungs and digestion and your you know your reproductive system it's doing a lot of things you know so yeah, we don't think of a, the brain of managing all of our other organs we, yeah i think a lot mm-hmm. of people just think of the brain as their emotions and their thoughts right. and mm-hmm. their thinking or their reading or you know doing mm-hmm. work but it, it it truly is doing all those other things of controlling right. all the whole rest of our body and i don't think a lot of people think about that on a daily I, basis i agree with you yeah so i think it's like you know we have to fill up our tank first and give the brain what it needs especially if we have that big project or we have you know residents that are working so hard and learning all day every day we have to remind them that they have to do extra so if you're learning or you're putting your brain in a situation that's new to you where it's trying to figure a lot of the cues out or it's trying you're in a new class or you're taking a new course you actually have to give yourself more support of what the brain needs. Um, you can't give yourself less, which is sometimes what we do when we're busy. We'll cut back on, you know, like, oh, forget it. I don't have time to make that healthy meal or I don't have time to sleep. I'm going to cut back on those things. And that's where some people will say, I just, I don't feel good. I don't have the time for anything. And they're right. You know, they're um, they're depleted, you know. So there's a brain-body balance is what, uh, you know, wonderful um, neuroscience researchers, how they will describe it is they'll say, no, you you can't ask more of your brain if you're not going to give it uh, more. So is that what burnout means from a neuroscience point of view? You know, it probably depends who you ask, but I, you know, as, as somebody who loves looking at things from a neuroscience lens, um, you know, I, I think there there's a lot of uh, players when we talk about burnout, you know, the health system has many players. So you have, you know, the administration, you have the medical teams, you have the support services, you have the nurses, you have, you know, the therapists. So you have a lot of players in the health system. And and some people will say it's the system or it's the culture. Um, and I think, you know, all, there's many answers to uh, what may be able to solve burnout. But I would say at this point in time, it's an emergency. It's an urgency because the rates of emotional distress and burnout in healthcare workers uh, in a recent Mayo well-being study showed it was 60% of healthcare workers were severely emotionally distressed, which is quite alarming. Um, and so what can everybody do or maybe one person who's listening, what could you do today? Um, you could kind of think about like, well, well, what did I do to support my brain today? Did I drink water? Did I move a little bit? Did I give it any fresh fruits and veggies and whole grains? Did I speak to somebody? Did I did I actually ask somebody how they're doing um, and connect with on a human level? Um, you know, all of those really matter. Um, you know, like I said, the nice thing is. So some, even just reaching out to somebody else and connecting with somebody else, like yeah. that's like food for your brain. Yes. Yeah, it really is. The brain is so connected to others and it's so important. Um, so a lot of the very things that seem so simple, like planning something fun every week or 
um, doing those little 10 minute fine tuning your nerves uh, every day, uh, reaching out to one person, you know, those are dramatically like simply simple actions a person can take that can have, you know, long term consequences on their neurobiology. Now, when you say reaching out to somebody, does that include like sending a Facebook message or a text? Does that yeah. help your brain or does it, it need yeah. to be in person or a phone yeah. call? Yeah, it, it it does something. You know, it, it it's one way to connect, but in person is really optimal. I mean, it's just obviously been so hard with the COVID um, pandemic for so many years now. Um, but yeah, but even connecting even on socially, on, you know, social media wise, it does matter. Um, in person is way better. Um, some people say, I don't have time for that, you know, and, and one thing that some studies have suggested is even doing one volunteer activity. Um, if you if a person volunteers in their community, um, even it doesn't have to be often, but that keeps them connected to their community and usually to other humans. And so um, those people a lot of times are more healthy as far as their mental health and their physical health. So, so these simple acts of, you know, scheduling a volunteer activity once a quarter, um, reaching out to a friend, how are you? And then listen, you know, just listen um, and, and um, not try to share how you are, but just actually try to soak it in and, and be there for them, you know, just to actively listen. Um, and then the things that kind of support our brain each day um, can have some dramatic long-term benefits and they're actually fun. Yeah, the, the, mm -hmm. those all seem like, you know, we've talked about all of those things um, in other aspects of the podcast, but not as it relates to keeping your brain healthy. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, are there things that can hurt your brain that you're doing on a daily basis? Like is being on your phone or being on Facebook for a certain amount of time bad for your brain or anything else that 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 we do that's kind of bad for our brain? Yeah, there there's a global group that has a list of 13 things that um, need uh, to be kind of watched over for long-term brain health. Um, and, and that was published in the Lancet Neurology, which is one of our very respected journals. Um, and, and some of those are things like excessive alcohol intake. Um, if you have hearing loss to take care of that, you know, to get hearing aids, because if the brain isn't getting those auditory, um, you know, sensations, that's really important. Um, connection isn't necessarily on that yet, but that's there's been some studies tossing around that that should be on there. Um, but then there are medical issues that, you know, you can talk to your primary care doc about. So I would definitely make sure that you're seeing your primary care doc at least once a year to look at vascular risk factors because the blood flow is really important to long-term brain health. But when you ask about like social media use, um, you know, a lot of times that will lead to isolation, even though you feel like you're connected with so many people. Um, but physically we're isolated a lot of times when we're on those and that's not an optimal state for us. Um, neurobiologically, you know, so if we're close to someone talking with someone looking in their eyes, that's more of an optimal state. And the other thing to know is that, you know, the social media companies um, have designed how things work, like, uh, let's say those reels or TikToks that move really fast and are colorful and have, um, you know, like uncertain rewards. Those are things exactly like a slot machine. And they know that the brain really likes those. And so it turns on dopamine and it makes us feel happy for a minute, you know, to kind of um, excited about like, well, what's coming next? We don't know what's coming next. Like the uncertainty kind of grabs the brain and holds it. Um, so sometimes you have to just kind of put the phone down and say, my brain is just stuck on this, just like um, a slot machine, you know, because they have 
really used a lot of the same qualities of slot machines just to get people st kind of stuck by the colors and the uncertainty of what's coming next um, and that there may be a reward. There are uncertain rewards that kind of holds our brain in that moment. And that's why some people look down and they're like, oh my gosh, it's been an hour and a half and I've been on this. I don't even know where the time went, you know, because it mm -hmm. kind of soaks our brain in that moment. Um, so we have to kind of step out of that for a minute and say, okay, this is made to, uh, you know, draw my brain in. It's exactly what brains like, color, uncertainty, and rewards, you know? And so it's, you have to kind of step back a little bit from the social media because it will, um, hours will go by. And uh, so that you have to have some kind of limits. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you mentioned um, as an employee of what you can do to, you know, not only are you helping your own brain by having a positive attitude and connecting with other people, um, but it also just helps your team. Um, me being a boss or owning my practice or right. if somebody's a team lead or a manager, mm -hmm. what can somebody like myself or managers or team leads do to have less burnout or help with the mental health of their team? Yeah, I, I would say if you had to start, we, we do have a team support program. If you need any information on that, I could um, I could send you some deets. But, you know, there's connection is vital. So you how you connect with each other and how we listen to each other is really important. And so if you're just working all day and you get home, and you close the door, we don't see anyone else. Um, it's having a connection outside of work is number one. Um, and then number two are lifestyles. And so lifestyle actions that we take throughout the day, they seem simple or maybe unimportant, usually until there's a problem. And one of the things I've noticed is that a lot of people don't know about, uh, you know, brain health measures until there's a problem. And then they're asking, what can I do? You know, once they're working with a therapist or once they're dealing with a family member with dementia, then they ask me, what can we do to keep our brain healthy? And I just want to bring this to the public, you know, so that they can, you know, start some of these actions now when things are are not a problem. Um, but the one area we haven't, um, we could talk more about is just emotional awareness. Um, once we start talking about emotions, people get nervous and they don't kind of want to open the door to that closet. You know, it seems like that's something like I don't want to go in there because there's a lot there, you know. But um, if a simple action is listing your emotions three times a day, just three emotions, three times a day, and just just see them. You don't have to fix them or change them, but you might notice, again, back to that brain-body balance, you might notice that you're, you have negative emotions a certain time of the day, and, it, and most likely it links to when you're metabolically needy, you know? So you, we always talk about like that afternoon, people want a coffee or they want chocolate or they need a pickup. Um, it might be that they have to kind of back up a little bit and say, well, what happened before that? Am I like, what's my lunch looking like? Did I eat any protein? Did I get anything that will give me some energy uh, for some hours, you know? So emotional awareness, a lot of times will also, uh, you know, be a mirror of your metabolic needs that your brain may have at that moment. So you're saying being aware of what you are physically is affecting your moods. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yes. And so you may notice like, I don't, you know, you don't like to have meetings at three o'clock. It's, it's just not your optimal time. Maybe you're, you're tired, you're hungry or this. Um, again, that will be your best thinking time, of course. Like some of us are, it's very obvious we're morning people or we're night people, or you'll notice kind of your neural patterns. But there's also ways you can manipulate that a little bit with your um, neurobiology through your metabolic 
uh, needs. So if you're saying, you know, I'm exhausted, then you can think, well, have you drank water? Have you moved a little bit? Have you got those neurochemicals moving? Um, and then just acknowledge that, you know, our emotional state will determine how well we're going to do on that project or how, how we're going to behave in that meeting. Um, so a lot of times if you start seeing these patterns, as you can start to predict your day and maybe even manipulate them um, by changing your, your nutrition or your sleep patterns or your, you know, your, your movements um, because you notice like you're exhausted by then because you haven't eaten. You know, you've scheduled meetings all day long. You, um, you know, so that's one thing to think about because we, we always say our emotions come from our heart, but they don't. They come from our brain. Um, and so if we're not giving it what it needs, it's kind of stuck up there in our skull and we have to support it to uh, be able to be productive throughout our workday. And, and, you know, as adults, we recognize this in children, right? Of, you know, yeah. well, my kid's having a temper tantrum because she didn't have a nap today right? Um, yeah. or our baby's crying because they're hungry and mm-hmm. need a bottle. So mm-hmm. we recognize these physical things of how it affects emotion as is children. But sometimes people fail to recognize those things as an adult. Um, I agree. Yes, I agree with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, just you have to get I... to know your own cues, you know, and just acknowledge like we want to pretend. I don't know why, but there's some magical thinking in medicine that we don't have physiologic needs, you know, that you can be in the OR for how many hours without anything or you can, you know, be a resident work all night and the next day. And it's a little bit magical thinking. Right. You know, because right. we still have physiologic needs um, and we, we're not going to be optimal unless we take care of those. Yes, I had it. Mm-hmm. I just dropped my daughter off at college a, a week ago. So I've been yeah. a little emotional. And yes. then not last night, but the night before last, my dog woke me up in the middle of the night. So I just didn't get a good night's sleep. Right. And then the next day I'm like, why am I so weepy? I'm like, it's because right. I didn't sleep good. Like mm-hmm. just the littlest thing was making me just emotional and just crying. And I'm not a crier. So right. Right, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'd like to think that our emotions come from our heart, but they don't, you know? So that's, yeah, and sleep, yeah, we didn't discuss sleep, but sleep is, right, you're right. It's It regulates our uh, our executive thinking, our emotional control, you know? So like you had that prime example, exactly. Um, and then the other thing about that example that you just shared is also when there's an emotional situation is that you need to give yourself more, you know, because it's a different time for you where you're probably thinking about your daughter, you know, like you're thinking about more and it's a, it's, it's just a transition time. So whenever we have something new in our lives, we have to give our brain even extra. And so when you say give yourself extra, like extra, what extra, extra sleep, extra fun. I would say, yeah, all the above. Right. So our metabolic needs, you know, it's hard to say that to everybody, what everybody needs, because everybody, you know, has different kind of metabolic needs, depending on, you know, how old they are, how much they move each day, you know, and other medical conditions. Um, But yeah, connections, I would focus on connections and lifestyle actions, and then this emotional awareness. Yeah, that's where I would start. Are negative emotions harmful for your brain, such as, or, or I guess, let me back up, are there negative emotions? Absolutely, there are. Yes, absolutely. Um, so and actually, things like anger or frustration or are, are those harmful for your brain? They're, they're not harmful. They're just not. You just have to know, again, when we're saying like emotional awareness, you have to know those that moment will not be your best time to complete a very detailed project. Right. Because you're going to have different areas of your brain kind of if you want to say, quote unquote, lit up when you're in a negative emotion. 
Um, and you might, again, want to step back and think, well, what happened a couple hours ahead of this? How have I supported my brain today? Am I in a learning time or some, um, you know, a time that's more challenging for the brain? Like, let's say, uh, let's talk about, you know, going to college, you know, so when people are new at college, they're taking in a whole new environment, new people, new diet, you know, new lifestyle. So, so many new things, right? So that is a prime time to give themselves, you know, extra support when indeed some of them will, you know, like stay up later, not eat as much. It's exactly the opposite of what the brain needs when it's going through a new transition time. Um, so we, we actually should kind of schedule in, you know, even more take care of yourself time. And yeah, I would, I would start with connecting with others, think about your lifestyle, daily actions, and then emotional awareness. So Dr. Renzel, what kind of clients do you work with or what, what do you offer or who do you serve? Yeah. yeah. So I, I partnered with a life coach by the name of Allie Hively, and we have some programs for residents, uh, for, you know, for program directors to share our, we have a course, a digital course with group coaching so they can design their, um, their professional well-being plan because now ACGME requires that. And so we, we help walk them through that. Um, I also work one-on-one -on -one with professional women, um, again, just to go over, you know, how, do, how can they feel empowered with these neurobiologic actions? You know, how can you actually feel like you, you can take that next step with some confidence? Um, and, and I love that. And I, I'm working with some companies and um, creating, you know, particular podcasts for their workforce. Um, and again, uh, depending on their values of their companies, et cetera, so we can talk about supporting their teams through their neurobiologic needs and what that, according to what the company's values are. So yeah, it's been a fun, a fun journey. Yeah. Where can people mm -hmm. find you or, and also find more information? Yeah, they could start on my website. It's brainfresh.org. Um, but you could also find me by my name on uh, LinkedIn and Facebook or Insta or Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll put those links in the show notes. Thank, Thank you. you so much for joining us, Dr. Renzel. Oh my gosh, such an honor. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healthy Her. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and the web. Go to www.dramybrenner.com to learn more. This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute as medical advice the practice of medicine, nursing, or other healthcare services. No patient-physician relationship is formed. The information in the podcast and any references, material, or links are at the sole discretion of the listener and not meant to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Listeners should not delay or disregard obtaining medical advice for any medical issues or diagnoses that they may have and should seek medical advice from their healthcare provider for any such conditions.